Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Thursday, September 24th. We begin with reaction and analysis of Wednesday's throne speech. We get the thoughts of Mike LeCouture, Global's parliamentary correspondent in Ottawa. Next, we speak with Laurie Williams, Professor of Political Science at Mount Royal University. We ask the professor what stood out to her in the speech, which focused greatly on pandemic recovery. It is Gender Equality Week, an opportunity to celebrate the move towards equality of the sexes and to focus on what still needs to be done. We talk to Minister Leela Ahir about what the province has planned. And finally, ET Canada host Cheryl Hickey has teamed up with an all-star lineup of contractors and designers for a brand new show on HGTV. We get the scoop on Family Home Overhaul, which premieres this Sunday. 6.43 now, and yesterday's throne speech promised plenty of spending on the pandemic and many other supports for struggling Canadians. To break it down, we're joined this morning by Global's parliamentary correspondent in Ottawa, Mike LeCouture. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you know, the Liberals uh, leading up to the throne speech were, were touting this was an ambitious plan. It would be one, an ambitious plan for the country. Did it live up to that billing? Well, it was wide-ranging. I don't know if you can call it ambitious. Um, you know, and it's, they're trying to be everything to everyone, something that they've tried over the last five years. Uh, consider this for a second, Sue. I mean, they said one of the biggest headlines was they want to create a million jobs. Looks like a really bold promise, mm-hmm. but... The follow-up in the second phrase was to restore employment uh, to previous levels. So basically get everybody back to work if they've been laid off by the pandemic. Also, there's no real timeline on how long they want to take to get those million jobs done. So it really is, you know, looks big on paper, but when you drill down, not sure it's that ambitious. Other plans that they have extend the wage subsidy plan through the next summer. They also have a plan for national early learning and childcare system, uh, national universal pharmacare, something they'd looked into and studied uh, last year but didn't implement. So, again, those are are big plans. Whether or not they're ambitious, though, and sort of new out-of-the-box thinking, unclear. Uh, Also, in the actual throne speech, they're addressing the pandemic, pledging to increase testing capacity across the country. And they promised an action plan for women in the economy to help more women get back into the workforce because we know that the the pandemic affected women more acutely. One plan that the Liberals didn't outline, I think this is interesting, is how are they going to rein in massive deficit spending? While there is a promise of a fall fiscal update, the Prime Minister in the throne speech said this is not a time for austerity. So it doesn't sound like there's going to be any belt tightening just yet. Um, And we may hear more about that when the uh, finance minister and deputy prime minister, the same person here, uh, Christopher Phelan, holds a media availability later this afternoon. Mike, this morning, rather. This, this morning. morning. Okay. Apologies. Mike, in an unusual step, uh, following the throne speech, the Prime Minister held a national TV address to Canadians. So why did he want to do that? And uh, what did he have to say exactly? Well, it sounds like it was part pep talk and and part promotion of his throne speech that his government had delivered uh, just a couple of hours earlier. He echoed the words of Dr. Theresa Tam that we're at a crossroads and saying that Canada is on the brink of a fall that could be another wave and uh, could be a wave that's worse than the spring, saying that's likely we're not going to be gathering for Thanksgiving, but we do still have a shot at Christmas. He called for Canadians to continue to do their part, wearing masks, physical distancing, all of those things. But then he turned to the throne speech and 
basically said, look, this is the way that our government uh, is working to try and help you through this pandemic. And, and it sounded more campaign style than sort of one of those prime ministerial addresses at, at you know, at a crossroads for this nation. Uh, so he really tried to balance those and tried to thread the needle. Uh, and whether or not that will resonate with Canadians, I guess, is, is to be seen. And Mike, now the throne speech has to be debated and voted on. So if you were a betting man, do you think that Canadians will be going to the polls again soon? If, it was, if I was a betting man and did it well, I wouldn't be appearing on your, your network. Right? You know That's a that, fair right? point. I'm, I'm, yeah. kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, exactly. So look, here's how I think it'll play out. If you're, you know, since you are asking me to weigh in like that, uh, yeah. Um, what you have is it'll be six days of debate. Doesn't have to be consecutive. Right now, both the Conservatives and the Bloc Québécois have said there's not a chance we're not voting for this. The one party that is, uh, you know, sort of towing the line and 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 or, or on on the uh, on the edge here is the NDP. They're saying, look, this isn't good enough, but they're open to more dialogue with the Prime Minister, Jagmeet Singh, calling for paid sick leave. Uh, you have to think that of all of the parties that the NDP and Liberal could be dance partners, I don't think anybody wants a, a provincial, uh, sorry, a federal election, or the majority of Canadians mm-hmm. don't. Uh, we know that any party that pulls the trigger on one could be punished at the polls by Canadians. Uh, at the same time, though, I think that you will see that there will be some sort of a coming together and uh, at least the, the government will figure out a way to get some support on this throne speech because the Prime Minister said he doesn't want an election, doesn't think it's time for one, uh, even though he had said about a week ago that if there is one, we'll figure out a way of doing it. Uh, but I don't think the appetite is really out there right now, considering we are looking at we're going into an even bigger second wave than the first wave of the pandemic. Uh, and while BC is going to be doing their election, soon. I don't think that Elections Canada uh, really wants to be thrust into a position like this. And I think everybody's aware of that. So I'm not saying that we're making political decisions based on a health crisis. But I think a lot of people and and this government is is understanding that if they can sort of put a little water in their wine, they can get to a position where this throne speech will pass. Mike, thanks so much for your time this morning. Appreciate it. That is Mike LeCouture. Global's parliamentary correspondent in Ottawa. It's 6.47, helicopter traffic time for West District by Truman. Life happens at hellowestdistrict.com. Making your way through the northeast, I am seeing a little bit of a slowdown westbound 64th Avenue as you make your way out towards Métis Trail through the Castle Ridge and Martindale areas. Uh, otherwise, though, Métis Trail's a great route down towards 16th Avenue. 16th Avenue itself coming in from Chestermere. You've got a five-minute drive from Stony Trail out towards Deerfoot. And Deerfoot Trail, as you make your way off the QE2 down south towards Memorial Drive, that's only nine minutes. Memorial Drive towards the 4th Avenue flyover. Lots of space in between those vehicles. Problem-free onto that 4th Avenue flyover. But in the downtown core, construction continues on eastbound 9th Avenue at McLeod Trail. Watch for lane closures getting through that intersection. Fall in love again. Discover the luxury of a certified pre-owned Mercedes-Benz and enjoy four monthly payments waived and a 1% rate reduction only during the fall sales event. Wrap in the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter. I'm Ready Howard. Low interest rates mean we can afford it. And in fact, doing less would end up costing far more. Doing less would mean a slower recovery and bigger deficits in the long run. While we're dealing with this pandemic, I don't want you or your parent or your friend to take on debt that your government can better shoulder. 
And there you have it from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau himself. Uh, his uh, speech following yesterday's throne speech in the earlier part of the day into the afternoon. Uh, with more a throne uh, speech follow-up, we're joined by political science professor at Mont Royal University, Lori Williams. Good morning to you, Lori. Good morning, Andrew. This was a long list within the throne speech of spending, focusing on the concerns of Canadians uh, during the pandemic as we continue through this pandemic. Uh, but in my eyes, my biggest takeaway was a long list, uh, but no roadmap on how we're going to pay for this or the hundreds of billions of dollars of deficit. What was your biggest takeaway, take Professor? Uh, I think there are two things that, that really struck me with respect to it. It was, um, it was focused on, on trying to um, sort of lay out the plan for recovery, economic recovery, and, and dealing with the, the challenges of the health care crisis. Um, throne speeches aren't long on detail, so you know, just sort of gesturing in the direction of some of the things that they're talking about uh, isn't surprising. But that, that other sort of notion that this will be an investment in the future and that they're hoping or implicitly hoping to get money back um, by, by uh, growing the economy is one of the other themes. And, you know, that's a difficult thing to assess at this stage. But these, there's a long list of promises and a lot of questions about whether they can deliver on them. We talked with you yesterday, obviously, Laurie, and, uh, you know, you, you looking forward, you had some thoughts on what might be coming about. Did they miss the mark on anything that you were hoping to hear specifically? Well, we, they signaled a lot of the stuff that was coming. And, you know, there, there is satisfaction on some of those counts. Uh, for example, the, the modernization of law enforcement training and standards, um, reaffirmation of uh, commitment to Indigenous reconciliation and some of the investment in, in, in Indigenous uh, communities was, was received well. Um, but there's nothing there at all, perhaps not surprisingly, nothing there at all about um, the energy industry. Uh, and, and part of the reason for that, I think, is that they're uh, basically putting something forward here that if it doesn't satisfy the opposition parties, can serve as a foundation for going into an election and, and basically say that the opposition parties aren't willing to support Canadians. That sort of looks like, like what the strategy is here. Well, all eyes, a different day today, all eyes on the NDP. And, of course, Jagmeet Singh, uh, Jagmeet Singh, do you think there's any chance whatsoever that we'll be going to the polls? Well, looking at that list, um, one of the things I suppose you could say about it is that it, it looks almost tailor-made to, to ensure uh, NDP support. We still don't have clarity on what's going to happen with CERB. Yes, we're transfer, translating the CERB benefit into something in EI, changing EI, but those changes in EI, near as I can tell, will require uh, legislative uh, uh, action and changes, and people might not be in a position where they can wait for um, the transition from one to the other. So I, I think uh, that's one thing that the NDP is waiting for, and of course the the sick leave to make sure people can afford to stay home. Um, those weren't included explicitly in the throne speech, but presumably those are things that are going to be discussed with the NDP. With the expect exception of those two specific asks, uh, this looks like something that the NDP would, would, for the most part, support. As you mentioned, it is typically a throne speech is, is short on details. As we hear more and they roll out more information, do you think or suspect there might be more for the provinces specifically coming? Well, there's been a fair bit coming to the provinces already, and there are promises of things that that actually fall into um, a federal or sorry provincial jurisdiction. So they, I'm actually surprised that there's been so much cooperation, collaboration, and work 
between the provinces and the federal government. Um, you know, even when Christian Freeland was appointed finance minister to hear Doug Ford and Jason Kenney say that they thought that she was very competent and a good pick, um, we're not hearing so much support from the provinces now because they're dealing with very difficult challenges. But they can make pro- the federal government can make promises about what they want to do with respect to things like um, child care, um, dealing with, with uh, some of the elements that fall under health care, for example. But th- that falls under provincial jurisdiction, and there's going to have to be negotiation there. Um, and I, I'm, I'm expecting, well, we know that there's, there's a, a meeting with first ministers today. We know they're going to be asking for more in the way of health care transfers. And, and uh, that will be a no- negotiation between the provinces and the federal government. Uh, looks to me like they were basically laying things out yesterday in such a way as to make it more difficult for opposition parties to uh, to justify running in, uh, on, in an election against some of the policies that were put in place. Um, if they win the confidence vote on the throne speech and on the budget, then I think we're going to start see more see more specifics that address mm. uh, some of the things that aren't that aren't going to be quite so contentious. Thanks for your thoughts this morning, Laurie. We appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. That's Lori Williams, political science professor at Mount Royal University. 817, helicopter traffic time for West District by Truman, a mix of unique single-family homes, townhomes, and condos. Heading through the southeast, watch for construction leaving Chaparral and Walden on 194th Avenue, just east of McLeod Trail. It's down to a single lane in both directions um, until late tomorrow night. Once you're on McLeod Trail, of course, ongoing construction at Highway 22X is going to require a little bit of extra attention. There's a lot of lane realignments, speed restrictions, and signage in the area. So just keep an eye open there. Further north on McLeod Trail, you're also going to run into that bridge work north of Heritage Drive, just causing a small slowdown. Otherwise, though, it's still only about 20 minutes from Highway 22X into the downtown. Core. Deerfoot still seeing those northbound delays from Barlow Trail up towards Southland Drive. And if you are leaving the Douglasdale area, Douglasdale Boulevard is shut down in both directions between Douglas Woods Rise and Douglas Wood View. That's for construction going right through towards the weekend, so watch for the signage in that area. Visit Shoppers Drug Mart for the 20 times the points cosmetic event Saturday, September 26th to Friday, October 2nd, because more points equals more free stuff and free feels good. For the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Brady Howard. 707 on the morning news with Sue DL, and my name is Andrew Schultz. It's the Thursday edition of lots of material to cover today, Sue DL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the throne speech, more analysis and reaction uh, coming up after 8 o'clock in one hour. We'll catch up with Lori Williams, a political scientist, uh, prof- a political science professor, rather, at Mount Royal University for her thoughts on what she heard. Also before 7.30, SIF, the Calgary International Film Festival now underway. We'll look at what's available virtually this year. And in one minute, it's Gender Equality Week, an opportunity to celebrate uh, the move towards equality of the sexes and to focus on what needs to be done. We'll get into that. First, though, we've got helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Enjoy spectacular views of the city skyline and the Rocky Mountains. Building volume on Deerfoot Trail northbound as you make your way up towards Anderson Road. Still only about 10 minutes, though, from Stony Trail up towards 17th Avenue. 52nd Street, great option for you out of New Brighton and Mackenzie Town all the way up to Glenmore Trail. Glenmore itself, construction at 68th Street has westbound traffic down to a single lane, so there is a small slowdown there. And also watching some odd delays on southbound 52nd Street between Pagan Trail and about 54th Avenue. We're trying to get an eye on the area. Fall in love again. Discover the luxury of a certified pre-owned Mercedes. Mercedes-Benz and enjoy four monthly payments waived and a 1% rate reduction only during the fall sales event. For the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard.
709 now, and it is Gender Equality Week across Canada. And Alberta's Minister of Culture, Multiculturalism and Status of Women is working on new ways to combat gender-based violence and ways to encourage more women into STEM-related fields. Minister Leela Ahir joins us now. Good morning, Minister. Good morning, Sue. How are you doing? Happy Gender Equality Week. And right back at you. Thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, that leads me right into my first question for you as a woman, as a woman in politics, not an easy field. Why is this week so important to you? Oh, my goodness. For so many reasons. Uh, but I, I wanted to let you know that um, what the what we're sort of looking at is a very, very broad-based um, and impactful way that we can not only work with people, but just the language that we use, how it is that we're impacting people, what it is that we can do to be better at the government level, but also really consulting with a lot of people on the ground to find out what's resonating and what's not. A lot of times, as you know, the the ability to be able to be powerful and be empowered comes from the mentors that you have in your life Mm -hmm. and actually shifting the culture, right? So, you know, I have this amazing opportunity, like you do, to meet thousands of people that are just the most, it gives you reasons to get up every day in the morning, let me tell you. And, you know, we have, if you look at, like, historically in Alberta at, you know, some of the rock star women we've had at the Senate, like, um, you know, Honorable Selma Shalafu, right, first Métis senator to be appointed. If you look at our own to the last two lieutenant governors that, that have been picked in this province, if you look at Honorable Lois Mitchell and Honorable yeah. Kamala Khani, like these are incredible human beings. And then the men that are on the ground that are also paving the way because it's going to be a collaboration between men and women that make this culture shift happen. We'll get into the focus on uh, the men and particularly the boys. But you also announced a new program for getting more young women into STEM. And STEM is a term we throw around a lot, but it's a science, technology, engineering and mathematics um, and those sorts of careers. Can you tell us about that and, th- and this program? Yeah, thanks, Andrew, and good morning. Um, so what we were looking at is that, I don't know if you remember, but just a little while ago, our wonderful Minister for Advanced Education, Minister Nicolaides, did um, uh, an announcement for $10 million for over four years for women building futures. And this is because, like, if you look in the province in the future here, women are 51% of the population. The, the relaunch and the recovery that we're looking at, and, I mean, this is a, a, a long-term strategy to build diversity within the province and to really get us back on our feet. I mean, we've had a quadruple hit here in the province, mm-hmm. right? So women are 51% of the population. We're not going to be successful if women are not engaged and brought into the sectors. And what happens from my, I mean, and this is, you know, I'm learning this from the experts, is that, you know, from K to 12, you know, we we're, we're need to really get girls interested. And there's a lot of incredible, incredible women who are working on this. We had um, Marianne Guyad from Northwest, Nancy Diamante, who's Chief uh, Membership Officer and Communications for Professional Engineers, Carrie Voss. You know, these are all women that are on the ground making these differences and really trying to advance the um, energy and, and momentum for girls K-12 to to get into STEM. But what we were finding is that that transition piece, you know, from the interest level to actually getting into school and getting into school and then, and then going into professional designations, right? There seemed to be a gap there. So uh, we were really excited. And this is from you. This is from Albertans. There's $125,000 investment that we're putting for, towards 50 women that will get $2,500 each to help them go forward with their education in this. And we want to be part of um, the momentum that is there and really, really getting people excited and to fulfill some hope here. We need hope in this province. We need to show the people of this province together collaboratively with their government that we're on the right track to 
getting back on our feet here. You're absolutely 100% right on that one. And, you know, speaking of the stats you mentioned, uh, you know, roughly half the population is female. It's divided mm-hmm. right down this. But from the stats coming from your office that we were given, one in three students in STEM schools are female. Only one in four STEM jobs in the workforce are women. So there is a ways to go, isn't there? There is. And part of that is understanding what that gap is. Like, why are they going to school potentially, right? And doing that and then not pursuing right. the fields of geoscience or STEM after that fact. So that's exactly what we're looking at. And this has been part of the roundtables that we've been holding because, um, like I said, honestly, Sue, the amount of incredible women that are paving the way out there that it's about getting a voice. You know how it is, right? Like, if you don't talk about it, you don't figure it out, you don't understand where those gaps are, you can't fix it. Absolutely. So this is, this is actually part part of the discussion that we're having and so one of the things like just to give you an idea like we've you know there's there's been federal dollars that have been put into investigating the barriers and why the low numbers in women in, in, in engineering and geoscience and some of it is sometimes is that if you look at the marks that are going into university a young man who has you know in the 70s won't even think about it they'll apply and they'll get in a woman will consider that that's not a good enough mark and mentally she's already prepared herself to okay i'm going to go into something else Mm. even though more than likely if she went into that she would get into that program and and actually more girls if you look at like who is applying and being in secondary education there's more women in secondary education but we need to get them in like hopefully inspire i mean this is obviously their choice but we want to be able to show that there is equally creative and thoughtful and compassionate jobs within the STEM programs that are actually going to be as important as any of the other programs in getting our, our province back on track. And honestly, with all my heart, there's not a possibility of relaunch and recovery happening without women in these programs because we need them there. They are competent and wonderful and bring an entire other vision. And that culture shift has to happen. And, and you know, we have to, as a government and as partners with all of these organizations, really, really help with that culture shift because sometimes it's just the way that you say it. It's a resonating piece, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Minister, we talked about opening up those opportunities and encouraging the girls into the STEM fields and, and classes, if you will. But let's talk about the men and boys and the yes. engagement in gender equality when it comes to, to the men and boys. Oh, yeah. This was, wow. This was quite the um, quite the panel. Um, I, I know you guys all know who Deb Tomlinson is. Um, she's, of course, you know, just great. She's been in this forever. I mean, I think she's been working in this area and fighting in this area with ACSW for over 30 years, just to give you an idea of the level of, of women that were on this panel. And then we had uh, Jade Sitka from Next Gen Men, uh, Andrew Silverstone, who's with uh, SAGES and Impact Domestic Violence, and then Prof- Professor Lauren Wells from the University of Calgary. And it was just overwhelming to hear the work that's actually, you know, what's really interesting is that a lot of us don't know uh, the work that has been done by these organizations in actually engaging men and boys in the past. And then, but part of the problem again is, are we actually having the conversation? Are, are we have one in, you know, one in three um, boys also sexually assaulted or treated inappropriately. And you can imagine, I mean, it is such a, a subject, a taboo subject, especially in so many cultural spaces, right? To even have the conversation, let alone, you know, if you don't have healthy masculinities and you're not having those conversations around what's going on, you can imagine, uh, you know, the yeah. kinds of things that these men and boys are coping with. But then on top of that, if we're not looking at prevention and discussions around, you know, the autonomy of your body and respecting each other and having those conversations, I mean, 
we just saw in Chestermere just, I get emotional about this, this beautiful young woman who took her life, you know, to bullying just a couple weeks ago. And you look at that and you're like, it just makes you question, like, what could we have done? Like, what was going on? How did this happen? And where where are we missing it? What are the gaps? And so we felt really compelled. I mean, we do this all the time. We have roundtables, like, all the time. But it was really important to start having again and shining a light on this conversation so it is not in the dark. There's not a stigma to the conversation. It's so and true. It's a health, and it's a healthy conversation. I have two boys. Well, they're men now. They're 22 and 24. We've always had these conversations. It has been table talk for us, just like politics and everything else. But we need to really make sure that, you know, it's one thing to, you know, you have it in your own family, but we have, you know, people from all over the world and, you know, various kinds of groups and cultures and amazing cultural fabric in this province. How is it that we reach into those different cultures and groups and have these conversations so that, you know, as girls and women are coming into this country, maybe from other places, that they understand the way that we view that here and the rights Mm -hmm. that they have. And also men and boys to get involved in that conversation and protect. You know, we talked to Randy Ambrosi, who's the commissioner for the, uh, for the, um, CFL, right? Yeah. And him and him and I had this wonderful conversation when he was here when we hosted, and we talked about you know the um, the work that they're actually doing in the CFL to really really talk about sexual assault and domestic violence and get these wonderful men who are like heroes, right? To these boys having these conversations out on the ground, mm-hmm. so and, important. You know, yeah, so I, I hate really I, I hate to interrupt you. I we, we, you <laughs> know what we're going to have you back on and talk about that okay. this topic specifically because we could talk about it forever. You're right. We cannot solve the problem unless we bring everybody to the table. But right. we thank you for the work that you're doing and thanks for joining us to update us on what's happening. Thank you so much, you guys. Have a wonderful day and happy gender equality week. My you love. too. Thank you so much. That's Minister Leela Ahir. Right now, time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Main streets highlight 20 foot sidewalks and integrated bike paths. Deerfoot Trail, just a regular building volume so far through both the northeast and southeast. If you are traveling through the southeast, we've spotted a couple of slow spots along southbound 52nd Street. There is construction between 23rd Avenue and Aaron Woods Drive, but if you're traveling further south between Pagan Trail and 54th Avenue, we're seeing a steady stream of headlights still trying to get an eye on the area, but it will last a couple of extra minutes for you. Also in the southwest, construction delays around Sarcy Trail and Richmond Road, mostly causing uh, delays southbound and eastbound right now. Fall in love again. Discover the luxury of a certified pre-owned Mercedes-Benz and enjoy four monthly payments waived and a 1% rate reduction. Only during the fall sales event. For the 770 CHQR Traffic Helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard. now and this weekend hgtv canada will be paying it forward with a new heartwarming canadian original series called family home overhaul each episode introduces a family that's been nominated by their community for giving back and then hgtv contractors and designers do the same for them sounds great so we're going to break it down we're uh, joined this morning uh, by we'll check in with uh, cheryl hickey in just a moment she's the host of the show we know her from et canada right now joining us from masters of flip on hgtv designer courtney wilson hi courtney hi how are you 
Hey, great. Thank you so much for joining us. We love watching you. We love all the designs and, and beautiful homes that you put together. And this time you're doing it, uh, you know, for a very different reason. And it's beautiful. I, I love the whole concept of kind of giving back to folks who have been doing so much for their very own communities. Can you tell us the, the premise of this, of this show overall? Yeah, um, actually, uh, there are 14 families who have all been nominated by their communities and family and friends who have watched them give back um, over and over and over, despite probably, you know, being being thrown curveballs for the last years. And, um, and so our family, Sarah and Kevin, they have two little boys, Landon and Hayden, and the idea is that their community, along with some HTTV, um, hosts and renovators come together to give them to make their house function again. You know what, Courtney? We all like to be surprised with good news and uh, generous gestures from those people around us. But how does it feel to be part of the team that is, you know, granting these wishes and surprising these people? And you're making a difference. How does it feel to, yeah. when you see their faces? Well, of course. I mean, of course, it was amazing. But it was also a super emotional process, um, despite flipping houses and you know dealing with tradespeople saying, hey, you know, you need to, we didn't show up on time or the drywall didn't get here or we're over budget. It wasn't about that kind of stuff at all. It was about really making very specific things happen in the renovation for very specific families. And for that, I needed a lot of tissues. Uh, no doubt. <laughs> a can, lot of tissues. Can you, I'm going to back Courtney up and say a lot of tissues. Oh, there you go. Cheryl Hickey <laughs> is joining us. She, of course, from ET Canada and the host <laughs> of this new show, Family Home Overhaul. Uh, ladies, it's a pleasure to talk to both of you. Cheryl, you know, you, you talk to the, the superstars of the entertainment world all the time. What was it like to talk to these superstars, these everyday superstars who really give back to their communities, but kind of don't take anything for themselves? Oh, I mean, so inspiring and so just thought-provoking, too. I mean, you think of how much these people are giving to their communities, their friends, their family, and never asking for anything in return. So it's just, it's incredible to meet people who are genuinely that way. And, and, and then to watch our contractors and designers like Courtney come in and just go to the ends of the earth to make sure that this family has exactly what they need for their specific needs in their home. So it's, it's very inspiring. Cheryl, to Sue's point, we've seen you uh, for years on ET Canada. We know you as the face of entertainment. Uh, but I'm wondering, it, it sounds to me like you might just uh, be like the rest of us Canadians. You flip by HGTV and you can't turn the channel because you're <laughs> locked in. Are you a fan of what HGTV does and, and a fan of these uh, shows? Because they're mesmerizing and they make us all dream. Yes. I, I mean, listen, I've been watching HGTV for years and I've been a fan of Courtney's for so long and then also just getting to know her even more through this process um, has just been such a blessing and you know watching all the HGTV shows over the years have has been super inspiring but but also to now be on the network is is a dream come true and to be with uh, the entire you know set of people that we have going into this project it's it's just it's just amazing Courtney without giving it away the first episode that we'll see this weekend can you give us an idea of you know kind of some of the work that you do is it is it the whole house or do you just take one aspect of it or a certain room or what does it look like it's actually a good portion of the house we sort of touch both floors of the house in some capacity um in fact actually there really wasn't enough of a budget to do the entire house and we somehow made that happen we were definitely pulling strings left and right um but there are some little things like 
there's a potty. There's a toilet in the living room when we start. And there is no toilet in the living room when it ends. And <laughs> That's a good one thing. of the little boys who's just a trooper. Yeah, there's, he's just a trooper. His request was for Dave and I to build a rat bed. And when a kid as lovely as Hayden asks you to build a rat bed, you know what? You put your thinking cap on and you build it. <laughs> so um, we, you know, we just definitely took on projects big and small, but they were all filled with heart. And I know that sounds cheesy, and some of you guys, like, roll your eyes when we say heart, but I'm talking, like, it's the right time for this show because we mm-hmm. all need to feel that love. We yeah. all need to feel inspired, and we all need to feel that happy, you know, like that feeling of, like, oh, my gosh, there's good in the world. And so I'm really, I, I'm not just, I've been a part of so many shows. I am so excited about this one. You've got to be excited. We're looking forward to seeing it on Sunday as well. And uh, Cheryl, one last question for you. With Family Home Overhaul, you alluded to it, the team. If you can, you know, we're talking with you and Courtney, but there's many more. Kind of like an all-star cast of HGTV Canada contractors <laughs> and designers, right? Absolutely. There's 14 different contractors and designers um, that are overhauling eight families' homes. And and just it's just incredible to me. You know, you see these people on camera. I've interviewed them many times for uh, Entertainment Tonight Canada. But then to actually be in their presence and watch them work the way that they do. And even when the cameras are off, they're still working and they're still fighting for these families. is something that I will absolutely never forget. So it's it's been a really incredible, incredible journey. Well, we're, it's a pleasure to speak to both of you. We're excited to watch it. Family Home Overhaul premieres Sunday, September 27th. And uh, we have loved speaking with the show host, Cheryl Hickey, and from Masters of Flip designer, Courtney Wilson. Thank you very much for joining us, ladies. Thanks for having Thank us. you. 916. Now, pretty cool to talk to the two of them. I mean, they're they're both icons in their own little world, and then HGTV kind of bringing everybody together for this. Isn't it funny how you, you see people who do so much for other people that they don't do stuff in their own homes, for oh, example. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the key, right? Yeah. And this is the, the one that, again, as Courtney mentioned a few times, pulling the heartstrings. And the, the, the power of HGTV, and it always surprises me because my kids, by the way, uh, they're bugging me for money all the time. I know they can't <laughs> afford their own home at this point, most definitely. And their teens, they are hooked. And, it's, and again, and now I get it, speaking with Cheryl and Courtney, it's not necessarily about the color scheme of a kitchen. It's about, you know, imagining yourself in these people's shoes going through these renos, and you got to put a special spin on it. And sure. uh, so certainly uh, that is the case with Family Home Overhaul this Sunday. Great backstory always in these stories, uh, and HGTV is the place to go for it. Right now, time for helicopter traffic for West District by Truman. Enjoy established amenities, recreation facilities, and the leading school districts. Seems like traffic's winding down across the city. We do have ongoing construction, though, causing slowdowns on the Trans-Canada Highway between Valley Ridge Boulevard and Old Bev Coach Road. There is a new lane realignment this this morning that's impacting both directions. All lanes remain open. It's just a lane realignment to watch for. Once you pass that little area, eastbound 16th Avenue is running delay-free all the way out towards the Foothills Hospital and Crochelle Trail. Friday's Lottomax jackpot is $50 million, plus an estimated two max millions. $50 million, plus two Two max millions dream to the max with Lotto Max. For the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Freddie Howard.